And the, one of the things that I've done consistently in my business in the last 20 years is I've always had a mastermind group. And so I've always had buddies. Um, and these are people who are either at the same level as me or maybe at one or two notches ahead of me in business. And we meet on a regular basis to support each other and to learn and grow from each other. And so it's a bit like, you know, Devin, um, you've done this. What, what, what did you do when you were faced with this challenge? Oh, well, Lindsay, I did blah, blah, blah. Um, you, you know what I mean? So you, you can always bounce off these other people and, and you can say, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you reckon? Oh, Lindsay, don't. No, mate, that's a stupid idea. What, why don't you try this instead? Ah, and so having that, um, those people around me, um, it has really helped me learn and grow in a consistent manner um, over 20 years. And This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur who's grown several startups and uh, seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to or happy to help and to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Lindsay Adam, and uh, here's a quick introduction on Lindsay. So, started off his career in the uh, Australian tax office as an auditor and then left the tax office and went to city council and other governmental positions for a period of time and then started his own business around the, the, the 2000s doing some public speaking. Um, also bought a franchise, I believe in public speaking, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, And but uh, had a non-compete after he decided that that franchise wasn't worth it that limited the ability for him to talk on some, or some areas and they'll get into a little bit of that as well. And then uh, from there, adjusted or pivoted a bit into coaching and speaking on relationships and, you know, what you or what you do after you ask someone what they do or what their job is. Um, and then when uh, COVID hit, um, had a lot of that kind of go away or necessitated a pivot. And that kind of brings them to where he's at today. And I'll chat a little bit about that as well. So with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Lindsay. Thank you, Devin. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, uh, it's great to have you on. So I gave kind of the quick run through of uh, a much longer journey. So maybe take us a bit back in time to when you originally got your started, uh, journey started working with the Australian tax office. Okay, so uh, yeah, once upon a time, uh, left school, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, stumbled into the public sector and started my career in the Australian taxation office, had 18 years with them, uh, first half of my career in audit. Uh, you name it, I've done it, serving summonses, collecting debts, auditing books of account, all the nasty stuff, you know, whacking people over the head with a big stick. And uh, I went on a manager development program and uh, it was a, a very big, expansive nine-month program, three residential workshops, end of the third, the first day on the third residential workshop, three different facilitators. Facilitator says, okay, boys and girls, we're done. Dinner's at seven. See you at the bar. Lindsay, have you got a minute? I went, yeah, how can I help? And he said, um, what are you doing here? You don't fit. You're not like these people. And Devin, what that guy did, he held up a mirror for me and he helped me understand I was in the wrong job. Now, that question led to a three-hour conversation with that guy. And it didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. I, an opportunity came for me to do a placement in, in training. And I went, wow, I like this. I'm good at this. 
and so I sideways out of order into training and uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I discovered I'm not an order, I'm a people person and uh, I just loved working with people. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the next 12 months training graduates how to be good auditors and then from there branched out into more and more generalist HR stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, left the tax office, went to Queensland Health. I was the training manager there for three, three hospitals, 3,000 staff. And what made you just out of curiosity, because you're doing auditing, you know, kind of expanding, doing more different things and more responsibility. What made you decide to leave there and, and go to the, into the more of the healthcare industry? Well, it was, um, I actually had a fight with my boss at the tax office and it was uh, a clash of the Titans. We banged heads and fell to the ground. And um, I went, that's it. I'm out of here. I, I, I can't work with this guy. And I just started applying for jobs anywhere. And uh um, it was so funny. One of my colleagues said, oh, you'll never get a job. You, you'll be stuck here for the rest of your life. And uh, within three weeks, I had, a, had secured a position, much to her disgust, and uh, off I went. Uh, and, and so it's funny how life, you know, takes you on the journey. Um, I didn't stay in that organisation long. It was very primitive. You know, I often say time travel is possible because I went backwards 20 years. Uh, it was very primitive. And, and when I got there, I looked around and, and, and I went, wow, wow, wow. I just kept applying for jobs. And uh, I ended up in Brisbane City Council, which is the largest municipality in the world. And, and I'm talking geographical, like square miles. Hmm. Uh, anyway, ended up there, spent five years there, ended up as one of their senior HR people, had a team of 17 uh, HR consultants working for me. And we had this crazy system, Devon, where we build for our time. So we worked in government, for government, but we build for our time. And that's where I learned the art of consulting. And at the end of the first year of this, I sat down and went, wow, look at all this money I build. Wouldn't it be great if that was my business? And at the end of the second year, I went, gee, I reckon I could make this work. And so I went to my then boss uh, and I said, look, I, I think I've done what I came for. I want to I want to transition out. And she went, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree. And so on the 1st of January 2000, mm-hmm. I, um, I started working uh, for myself two days a week and for government three days a week. And by March, I knew it was going to work. And by May, work was getting in the way of my business. And so I handed in my resignation. And our, our new financial year starts on the 1st of July here in Australia. So uh, started, um, you know, the first available day in the new financial year in my own business. And uh, here I am 21 years later, uh, still chugging along and having good fun. Uh, you know, I've had some amazing rises and falls in that time, as you'd imagine. Uh, you know, you know that myth they say, um, was, uh, you know, if you can last seven years in business, you, you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. I look back financially in my seventh year of business, Devon, money rained out of the sky. I could not do a thing wrong. Mm-hmm. In my third year of business, I almost went out the back door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some, some incredible lows and some amazing highs in that, in that time. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've literally traveled the world, uh, uh, you know, in, in my business, speaking, uh, training and uh, you know had some incredible experiences, met some incredible people. Now, cut, or follow up to that because with the public speaking, one of the things you mentioned is so you started out around 2000 doing public speaking. Now you got into a franchise, 
And it sounds like, you know, you got into a non-compete, got into a franchise, a couple of questions on that. And I always try not to layer my questions, but this will be a couple of questions anyway. What made you decide to get into the franchise and what was the experience that made you decide to exit the franchise? Yeah, okay. So um, interesting question. Uh, I had a mentor. Well, in 1998, I joined an organization called the National Speakers Association of Australia. Now, uh, that's that's a professional body for people who earn their living from the spoken word. So our members speak at conferences, run training seminars and workshops. And in the US, there's um, NSA, National Speakers Association of the United States. Uh, and there's one in Canada. There are 17 of them around the world now. It's, it's really, you know, grown like topsy, um, which is amazing. Uh, so I had a mentor. Um, the, the guy was the, the, the chapter president and, and I... Um, when I worked in government, I hired him and used him in, in one of the, you know, businesses that I was consulting for. Uh, and then when I left, we became mates. And in fact, we used to sit at this coffee shop and, and I'd say, you know, Jeff, I really want to get out of government. I really want to be self-employed. And then, you know, years later, we've, we've gone, remember those conversations we used to have? Anyway, um, so he was running a uh, BNI business. Now, you, you, you may or may not be familiar with BNI. It's a worldwide networking group. Uh, mm -hmm. And he eventually ended up with the master license for Australia. And he approached me one day and he said, Look, there's an opportunity coming. Uh, it's for a company called the Referral Institute, which is a sister company of BNI. And uh, I think this could be a good opportunity for you. So I was already heading to the US to uh, go to the speakers conference. I met up with the principals of that company. And uh, we had a meeting and I, you know, they were very interested to get me to buy the license for Australia. And I, uh, I couldn't decide. And um, anyway, eventually I did. Um, and so that's how I got into it. Um, the problem was my mate Jeff, uh, for various reasons, left that organization and another guy took over. And the guy who took over considered we were supposed to be sister companies working alongside each other. Uh, the guy who took over, uh, he didn't think that I was a sister company. He saw me as a competitor and did everything he could to block and stymie me. And so it was a, a truly interesting, interesting relationship. Uh, anyway, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail on that stuff, but uh, let's just say life wasn't roses. Uh, after a period of time, I decided this ain't working and I got to get out. Uh, and so I, I moved on from that from that business and, and I was under a non-compete agreement for two years, couldn't talk about um, referrals, networking, you know, any of those kind of major terms. Now, bearing in mind, when I left government and started my business, I did a lot of team building. So I worked with organisations, helping their teams work better together. And then from there, I morphed into manager development and leadership training. And then I, you know, got into this franchise thing, which was... Um, uh, teaching business owners and salespeople how to do business by referral. So I thought, well, what, what am I going to do? I can't talk about referrals. I can't talk about networking. But what's the thing that underpins all of those, Devin? It's, you know, if you want to work in a good team and have, uh, you know, work well together, you've got to be in relationship with your team members. If you want to be a leader in an organization, you've got to be in relationship with your people. And if you want to get referrals and do business but you know get more sales you've got to get into relationship with your prospects or customers 
And so I looked at this and I thought, wow, well, the thing that underpins all this is relationships. So I started talking about relationship marketing. It's not referral marketing. It's not, not networking. It's relationships. And so I know we're splitting hairs here, but I, you know, I'm an honorable man and, and I, I signed an agreement which said I wouldn't use those terms. So I didn't. Um, and then I, um, I had a chance conversation with a friend one day and she said to me, you know, Lindsay, you, you do that relationship stuff so well. You know, you're the relationships guy. And I went, so what did you say? She said, you, you're the relationships guy. And I went, oh, 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 I like that. And, and I went and Googled and all the URLs were available. So I grabbed them all. And then uh, I, I, you know, self-anointed myself as the relationships guy. And that's the brand I now carry around the world. And I'm known strongly uh, around that brand all over the place. Uh, Lindsay Adams, the relationships guy. And so I, today I teach business owners and salespeople how to get into relationship quickly and how to leverage those relationships to get more business. Uh, and, you know, I wrote a book about it. You can see it over, over my shoulder there, the, um, the DNA of business relationships, how to uh, engage, expand and energize relationships. And I'm talking business here. And so, you know, Devin, what I found was uh, with all of the training that I'd been doing, uh, people are really good. They go to a business event, a networking function. They're really good at saying, hello, my name is, what do you do? And then from that moment forward, what happens next? There's crickets, you know, like people struggle with what to say next. And so, so I wrote this book about how to, how to engage somebody, how to open up a conversation. And then while you're doing that, how to figure out, could I do business with this person? And if, if you think you could, then what do you do to actually move that forward, move that relationship forward? So, uh, you know, it, it's not rocket science. It's, it's a very simple yet powerful concept. No, and I think that definitely makes sense. Now, one question to follow up with you on is, so you've done that, you got, you know, you did the franchise for your time, you decided to exit, you were being honorable. So you went to, you know, became the relation, the relationship guy and that worked out well. And you're doing that and that was kind of humming along, so to speak. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, what would be COVID that comes along, they kind of shakes up what would be a lot of the public speaking, a lot of the, you know, training type of things, and it makes it more difficult. So tell us a little bit about kind of as you're, as you're forced to pivot, how did that go? How did you figure things out? Did it shut it down completely? Did you go virtual? Did you go different direction? Or kind of how did that all play out? Yeah, so um, ironically, the last uh, major conference I attended was in Adelaide in Australia. And it was the Professional Speakers Australia annual conference in March uh, 2000, what was it, 20? Um, yeah. Uh, and that weekend, COVID hit Australia. Now, COVID existed and, you know, it was chugging around the world and we were kind of going, what's this thing? How's this going to impact? And we were going, oh, you know, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. But it was ironic on this particular weekend, it just blew up and phones are going off all through the conference and people are saying i've just i've just been cancelled i've just had a i've been postponed and like our i could just see everyone's businesses evaporating overnight and it was like a 48 hour period of just whoosh, everything disappeared and for me over the next week all of the conference bookings i had or the training i had booked was either put on hold or cancelled or postponed uh, because everybody was just dead scared of what was coming. 
Uh, and, you know, Australia, we, we've done okay in terms of COVID. There's very little of the stuff in our country at the minute. Uh, because we live on an island, they just shut down all the borders and kind of locked everyone down and everyone was very compliant and stayed home. And, you know, uh, however, what that meant for business was, though, um, nothing much was happening. And so my training business, my speaking business just evaporated. Now, did I go online? Yes, of course. Did my clients want to go online? Mm. No, yes. It, you know, some did, some didn't. So I did a little bit of that work. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to earn the same money. Uh, and I was in touch with my clients and, you know, having conversations and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I had along the way, I've always used a behavioral assessments in my business. So when I did team building, I've, I've used things like the DISC profile to help people understand their behaviors. Um, and uh, I, I looked around for suppliers and, and I've used other profiling tools. Uh, and I ended up purchasing my, uh, the bulk of my supplies from one of my speaker mates in the US. And about three, five years ago, he said to me, you know, Lindsay, you refer a lot of business to us, hmm. you know, relationships guy. Uh, he said, why don't you become a distributor? And I kind of went, ah, oh, I don't know, you know, what's not my core business. Anyway, I looked at it and I thought, oh, well, I suppose I can buy them cheaper for myself. You know, it's a bit like Amway, <laughs> you know, join Amway, you get the stuff cheaper. Uh, anyway, let's not go there. Um, and so, so I took up, I took up a license and, uh, and then I encouraged some of my friends to sign up and I had a little clientele. Well, when COVID came, I thought, well, I can't, I can't do the speaking and the training as much. But interestingly, coaching went up in, uh, during COVID and the demand for behavioural profiles actually increased. And so I'm, it's almost like I've started a new business. Uh, you know, I had the thing, but... Uh, in terms of, you know, the theme of your podcast, I was in startup mode. Uh, and so I've been now scrambling, running hard, um, contacting prospects, um, servicing clients and building the, the behavioral assessment business. And so I've got a, a range of, uh, you know, assessments. I've got five core tools and a couple of really clever um, other, you know, tools that consultants can use to help them grow, you know, grow their clientele. And so for me, it's been a real shift in uh, focus, direction, the whole thing. And Devin, you know, here's some interesting things I've learned in the last 12, 18 months. Uh, I used to fly a lot, right? I'd be on a plane every week. Uh, mm. Qantas, our national carrier, the business airline, um, and I are very good friends. I, I, I spend chunks of money with them every year. But you know what? In the last 12 months, I've been on one flight and I haven't really missed it. Uh, and so, uh, and I'm, I'm married, I've got two kids, I've now got four grandchildren, my daughter just had a baby last Sunday, woohoo, uh, so I've got two granddaughters, two grandsons, it's, it's wonderful. Now, in the last 12 months, I've been able to spend a lot more time with my family, and so in terms of uh, business and personal life, there's been quite a shift in my outlook, and, and selling behavioural assessments enables me to stay home spend more time with my kids and my grandkids and still earn an income and so uh you know it's been a, a kind of a blessing in disguise almost and um so it's been a real pivot um 
And, uh, you know, I'm still in growth phase and still running hard, um, you know, chasing down new business here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, but it's been a totally different experience. No, and I think that, that that's awesome. You know, it's interesting how, you know, you don't have to travel as much. You find the areas of the business that will do well without having to do that. You can see a bit more of life. And sometimes those things that cause us to pivot, help us to pivot or realize something to go in a better direction than we might otherwise not or what than we might otherwise not have done had we not have been forced to pivot. So yeah. I think that's and, definitely an, an interesting point. So well, now as we, you know, start to wrap or, or we kind of worked our way all the way or worked your way through your journey to where you're at today and a little bit uh, kind of where things are headed and we start to wrap up the podcast, I always ask two questions at the end of each journey and the end of each podcast. So with that, jump to the first question I always ask you, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? <laughs> Well, the worst business decision I ever made, hands down, was buying that franchise business. Uh, you know, I I was unsure and uh, they contacted me and said, well, are you going to do this? And I kind of went, oh, all right. But I, you know, uh, I, I, I probably, um, you know, with 2020 hindsight and 2020 hindsight's a marvellous thing, I probably would never have done that. You know, I wouldn't do it again. Um and so uh, that's probably the the worst business decision I've ever made. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've I've made I've made a few of them, uh, but we'll, we'll say that's the worst. Okay. Hmm. No, I think that uh, that is something to or a mistake that's a, a good one to learn from. So now no, I jump. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, look, um, I have made some amazing connections through that business. So I have a dear friend in Canada now. She had the master license in Canada. I had the master license in Australia. We're now lifelong friends as a result of that. And we both said the only thing we got out of that investment was our friendship. <laughs> hey, as funny as it is, you know, sometimes it's that one connection or that one friendship that makes it worth. Sometimes it doesn't make it worthwhile. And you're saying, I didn't get anything out of it. But it's interesting, sometimes you make those mistakes and well, you know, that really wasn't what I wanted to get out of it, but you still are able to make those connections and those have rewards in them themselves. So I think that that is definitely something to, to learn from and also to look at or look or look back on. Second question I always ask you is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, look, surround yourself with clever people. Um, I, I discovered, I live on acreage. I've got an acre and a half of ground, right? And uh, the guy who lives opposite me, he's got a, a, a modest house and he's got a tin shed garage out the back. And inside that tin shed is a red Rolls Royce. Um, do you know how much a Rolls Royce costs, Devin? A lot of money. A right? lot. I was going to say, I don't know. I'm guessing two or $300,000, but I'm making yep, it up. Yep, quarter of a million bucks, no trouble at all, right? And it, this red Rolls Royce lives in a tin shed in a modest suburb um, on the edge of Brisbane, Australia, right? And where did that guy get enough money to buy a Rolls Royce? So I wanted to hang out with that guy uh, because he's obviously clever. And so I, you know, go and lean on the garden fence and, and talk. And I learned a lot of stuff from him. And the, one of the things that I've done consistently in my business in the last 20 years is I've always had a mastermind group. And so I've always had buddies um, and these are people who are either at the same level as me or maybe at one or two notches ahead of me in business. And we meet on a regular basis to support 
each other and to learn and grow from each other. And so it's a bit like, you know, Devon, um, you've done this. What, what, what did you do when you were faced with this challenge? Oh, well, Lindsay, I did blah, blah, blah. Um, you know what I mean? So you, you can always bounce off these other people and, and you can say, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you reckon? Oh, Lindsay, don't. No, mate, that's a stupid idea. Why don't you try this instead? Ah, and so having that, um, those people around me, um, it has really helped me learn and grow in a consistent manner um, over 20 years. And, and I've had different groups. Um, right now, I have an international mastermind. So um, I've got a guy, um, uh, a university lecturer who's based in Los Angeles, uh, a, a business person in uh, Phuket in Thailand, um, someone else in Australia, someone in Singapore, um, someone in India, um, and uh, one in the UK. And we meet once a month for three hours on Zoom to support each other. I also have a local mastermind where people I meet face to face. And so I've, I've learned the power of these groups. And um, I'm, you know, I've always had someone. And as, you know, over time, a group peters out or you, you know, we, We've done what we came for or people move off and go in different directions. That's okay. Um, but I've always, always had some, some form of mastermind group. And I strongly recommend that. And particularly if you're in startup mode, you know, surround yourself with clever people um, who, who are ahead of you by one or two steps in the game so they can, you know, give you advice. No, I think that I think surrounding yourself with people that can better you, that can provide those resources. And I always look at, you know, a lot of times, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the quintessential entrepreneur that has a whole bunch of ideas. Most of them are bad, um, you know, but some of them I hope are good. Um, but, you know, it's always nice to bounce it off someone that, you know, that, you, that hasn't drank in the Kool-Aid, that hasn't had, the, you know, bought into the own thing. And so then you can much better get an idea of, okay, let's hear what they have. What are their thoughts? What are their feedbacks? And I think that that can be invaluable. And yet sometimes we're almost shy or bashful about asking for that feedback or asking for that know yeah. bouncing it off the ideas because we don't want to be there don't want to look stupid don't want to you know bother them with their time don't want to make them feel like they have to contribute and so all of that i think are things that pull us back from doing it but it's definitely a great resource and a great way to de- better develop ideas and weed out the bad ideas so i think that's a great piece of advice yeah and of course you got to remember you always need a good lawyer and um miller ip law would be a good place to start i guess all right. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the or appreciate the the plug, and I'm I'm certainly don't have to agree that we're good lawyers, but there are a lot of good ones out there. We are definitely happy to help, and if we if we can, appreciate the the plug. Now, with that, as we wrap up the the podcast, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a client, a customer, they want to hire you to help them with relationships and um, networking in the business, and or they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you or find out more? So you can find me on LinkedIn under, you know, Lindsay Adams. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny, Lindsay, of course, in the US is often a female name. Uh, I often arrive at hotels and they've, they've filled in the registration card as Ms. Lindsay Adams. Uh, anyway, so it's um, now my, my company is called 24-7 Assessments. So Lindsay at 24x7assessments.com.au. So lindsay at 24by7assessments.com.au. Drop me an email. We'd love to chat. We'd love to share. Um, you know, um, made some in- incredible connections around the world and have a very, very big network. And, and I'm always happy to refer, 
you know, someone to someone else, because that's what makes business go around. Absolutely. So I, I appreciate the, the, the help or always being or looking to connect people and also to provide their ways that people can connect with you. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. We'd love to have you and share. Two more things as listeners. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player to you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else for the business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Thank you again, Lindsay, for coming on the podcast. It's been as fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you, man.